European Hearts Journal Issue at a Glance, Volume 38, Issue 11, Focus Issue on Acute Coronary Syndromes, by Editor-in-Chief Professor Thomas Lucia. Improving Outcome in Acute Coronary Syndromes, Ischemic Conditioning, Antithrombosis and Bleeding, and Inflammasone Antagonism. Infarction is a turning point in the natural history of patients with coronary artery disease. While the event rate in stable coronary artery disease is currently quite low after infarction, one in eight patients experience a major cardiovascular event. A crucial determinant of long-term outcome is infarct size and in turn left ventricular ejection fraction. Accordingly, many attempts have been made to reduce infarct size by educating the public about symptoms, by reducing door-to-balloon time, and by reducing reperfusion injury. Although reperfusion injury has attracted considerable research interest, the clinical application of most strategies was mixed, with a few showing benefits, but most failed. This issue is reviewed by Gert Heusch from the University of Essen and Bernard J. Gersh from the Mayo Clinic in their article The Pathophysiology of Acute Myocardial Infarction and Strategies of Protection Beyond Reperfusion, a Continuing and Formidable Challenge. They remind us that the incidence of ST-segment elevation myocardial infarction, or STEMI, has decreased over the last two decades in developed countries, but mortality remains substantial despite widespread access to reperfusion therapy. Furthermore, the development of heart failure, particularly among an expanding older population, is a major issue. In developing countries, the incidence of STEMI is increasing and interventional reperfusion is often not available. Thus, research on the pathophysiology of acute myocardial infarction and reperfusion, notably the temporal and spatial evolution of ischemic and reperfusion injury, the different modes of cell death, and the resulting coronary microvascular dysfunction, remain important. The authors characterize the cardioprotective phenomena of ischemic preconditioning, ischemic postconditioning, and remote ischemic conditioning, and their underlying signal transduction pathways. Heusch and Gersh go on to discuss in detail the attempts to translate conditioning strategies and drug therapy into the clinical setting. Importantly, they discuss why most attempts to reduce infarct size and improve clinical outcomes in STEMI have failed. Currently, it appears that remote ischemic conditioning and a few drugs such as atrial natriuretic peptide, exenatide, metroprolol, and esmolol reduce infarct size, but studies with clinical outcomes as primary endpoints are still underway. Acute coronary syndromes are associated with activation of platelet and the coagulation cascade. Without such phenomena, plaque rupture or erosion would not lead to acute coronary occlusion, as is the case in STEMI. Hemostasis and thrombosis are complex, multifactorial processes that are carefully discussed in Thrombosis and Platelets, an update, by Jane Friedman and colleagues from the University of Massachusetts at Worcester in Worcester, Massachusetts, USA. Despite major advances in elucidating the mechanistic pathways mediating platelet function and thrombosis, 
challenges in the treatment of vascular occlusive diseases persist. Pharmacological advances have greatly affected thrombotic outcomes, but this has led to the unwanted side effect of bleeding. Detailed assessment of the impact of non-thrombotic diseases on hemostasis and thrombosis is necessary to better evaluate thrombotic risk and establish optimal treatment. This review focuses on recent advances in understanding the contribution of evolving risk factors to thrombosis. As outlined in the review above, dual antiplatelet therapy reduces non-fatal ischemic events after acute coronary syndrome, or ACS, but increases bleeding to a similar extent. In their clinical research manuscript, Trade-off of Myocardial Infarction versus Bleeding Types on Mortality after Acute Coronary Syndrome, Lessons from the Thrombin Receptor Antagonist for Clinical Event Reduction in Acute Coronary Syndrome, or TRACER, Randomized Trial. Marco Valgemili and colleagues from the University of Bern in Switzerland sought to determine the prognostic impact of myocardial infarction versus bleeding during an extended follow-up period to gain insight into the trade-off between efficacy and safety among patients after acute coronary syndrome. In 12,944 patients with non-ST segment elevation ACS from the TRACER trial, they investigated the relative impact of myocardial infarction and bleeding occurring more than 30 days post-ACS and subsequent all-cause mortality. Bleeding was graded according to Bleeding Academic Research Consortium criteria. Myocardial infarction was associated with a five-fold increase in mortality. Bleeding Academic Research Consortium Type 2 and 3, but not Type 1, bleeding had a significant impact on mortality. Myocardial infarction was associated with a greater risk of mortality compared with Bleeding Academic Research Consortium 2 with a relative risk of 3.15 and Bleeding Academic Research Consortium 3A bleeding with a relative risk of 2.23 and a risk similar to Bleeding Academic Research Consortium 3B bleeding, i.e. 1.37. The risk of death after myocardial infarction was significantly lower than after Bleeding Academic Research Consortium 3C bleeding with a relative risk of 0.22. Myocardial infarction and bleeding had similar time associations with mortality, which remained significant for several months, still being higher early after the event. They conclude that in ACS patients treated with antiplatelet therapy, both myocardial infarction and bleeding significantly impacted mortality with similar time dependency. While Bleeding Academic Research Consortium 2 and 3A were less prognostic for death than myocardial infarction, the risk of mortality was equivalent between Bleeding Academic Research Consortium 3B and myocardial infarction, and was higher following Bleeding Academic Research Consortium 3C. These clinically relevant results are put into context in an editorial by Benjamin M. Skirica from the Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston, Massachusetts, USA. Systemic levels of trimethylamine N-oxide, or TMAO, a proatherogenic and prothrombotic metabolite produced from gut microbiota, 
metabolism of dietary trimethylamine containing nutrients such as choline and carnitine. Predict incident cardiovascular event risks in primary and secondary prevention of patients with stable coronary artery disease. However, the prognostic value of TMAO in the setting of ACS remains unknown. In a fast-track manuscript entitled Gut Microbiota-Dependent Trimethylamine N-Oxide in Acute Coronary Syndromes, a prognostic marker for incident cardiovascular events beyond traditional risk factors, Thomas F. Lucia and colleagues from the University Hospital Zurich in Switzerland investigated the relationship of TMAO with incident cardiovascular risks among sequential patients presenting with TMAO in two independent cohorts from the Swiss University Hospital and the Cleveland Clinic, respectively. In the Cleveland cohort of 530 patients presenting to the emergency department with chest pain, an elevated plasma TMAO level at presentation was independently associated with risk of major adverse cardiac events, i.e. MACE, including myocardial infarction, stroke, need for revascularization, or death, over the ensuing 30 days. In the fourth quartile, the adjusted odds ratio was 3.69 and 3.67 at six months. TMAO also remained an independent predictor up to seven years for mortality. Interestingly, TMAO at initial presentation predicted risk of incident major adverse cardiac events at 30 days and six months, even among subjects who were initially negative for troponin. The prognostic value of TMAO was also assessed in an independent multicenter Swiss cohort of 1,683 ACS patients who underwent primary PCI. TMAO again predicted enhanced risk of MACE with an adjusted hazard ratio of 1.70 and all-cause mortality with one of 1.96 at one year independent of traditional risk factors. The authors conclude that plasma trimethylamine N-oxide levels predict short and long-term risk among patients presenting with acute chest pain and thus improve clinical risk stratification. Furthermore, the gut microbiome may provide a novel therapeutic target for secondary prevention in this context. Plaque erosion compared to plaque rupture, has distinctly different underlying pathology and therefore may merit tailored therapy. In an ESC hotline fast track, effective antithrombotic therapy without stenting, intravascular OCT-based management in plaque erosion, the erosion study. Ik Kyung Jang and colleagues from the Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston, Massachusetts, USA, aims to assess whether patients with ACS caused by plaque erosion might be stabilized by antithrombotic therapy without stent implantation. Indeed, although stents have markedly improved outcome in ACS, they are still associated with a risk of stent thrombosis, a condition associated with significant mortality. This was a prospective single-center, uncontrolled, prospective, proof-of-concept study. If needed, aspiration thrombectomy was performed. Patients diagnosed with plaque erosion by optical coherence tomography, or OCT, and residual diameter stenosis less than 70% on the coronary angiogram 
were treated with antithrombotic therapy only without stenting. OCT was repeated at one month and thrombus volume was measured. The primary endpoint was a more than 50% reduction of thrombus volume at one month. The secondary endpoint was a composite of cardiac death, recurrent ischemia requiring revascularization, stroke, and major bleeding. Among 405 acute coronary syndrome patients with analyzable OCT images, plaque erosion was identified in 25%. 60 patients enrolled and 55 patients completed the one-month follow-up. 47 patients met the primary endpoint and 22 patients had no visible thrombus at one month. Thrombus volume decreased from 3.7 to 0.2 mm3. Minimal flow area increased from 1.7 to 2.1 mm2. One patient died of gastrointestinal bleeding, and another patient required repeat PCI. The rest of the patients remained asymptomatic. The authors conclude that for patients with ACS caused by plaque erosion, conservative treatment with antithrombotic therapy without stenting may be an option. The manuscript is accompanied by a thoughtful editorial by Peter Libby from the Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston, Massachusetts, USA. Myocardial infarction triggers an intense inflammatory response that is associated with infarct expansion and is detrimental for cardiac function. Interleukin 1 beta and interleukin 18 are key players in this response and are controlled by the NLRP3 inflammasome. In a basic science article, the selective NLRP3 inflammasome inhibitor, MCC950, reduces infarct size and preserves cardiac function in a pig model of myocardial infarction. Gerardus P.J. van Hoot and colleagues from the University Medical Center Utrecht in the Netherlands hypothesized that selective inhibition of the NLRP3 inflammasome reduces infarct size and preserves cardiac function in a porcine MI model. 30 female land-race pigs were subjected to 75 minutes transluminal balloon occlusion and treated with the NLRP3 inflammasome inhibitor MCC950 or placebo for seven days in a randomized blinded fashion. After seven days, 3D echocardiography was performed to assess cardiac function and Evans blue slash TTC double staining was executed to assess the area at risk and infarct size. The infarct size slash area at risk ratio was lower in the 6 mg per kilogram MCC950 group and the 3 mg per kilogram group compared to the control group. MCC950 treatment markedly preserved left ventricular ejection fraction in treated animals with values of 47% in the 6 mg per kilogram, 45% in the 3 mg per kilogram, and 37% in the control group. Myocardial neutrophil influx was also attenuated in treated compared to non-treated animals. Myocardial interleukin 1-beta levels were dose-dependently reduced in the treated animals. Thus, NLRP3 inflammasome inhibition reduces infarct size and preserves cardiac function in a large animal myocardial infarction model. 
Hence, NLRP3 inflammasome inhibition may have therapeutic potential in acute myocardial infarction patients. The editors hope that this issue of the European Hearts Journal will find the interest of its readers.